I'm Dr. Pete Economo, the East Coast psychologist. And I'm Dr. Nikki Rubin, the West Coast psychologist. And this is When East Meets West. Recently, Nikki, they invited me onto Fox 5 again to talk about screen fatigue, which has now become a term that is all too common in our language. Right, Nikki? Hey. Oh, I, uh, <laughs> I suffer from serious screen fatigue, as I'm sure, um, you know, many of our listeners uh, are, are these days, you know, living, you know, just living in this two-dimensional world. Even right now, Pete and I are, are uh, talking over Zoom here. You look great today. Oh, so do you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I, 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 I noticed myself imposing my fatigue on others. So like any of the groups I'm a part of. Sure. So I, I'm an advisor to one of these student groups. And I was like, guys, I don't think we should be doing any more meetings online. Like, let's wait for the weather to get better uh-huh. or, you know, whatever. But then they were able to give me some feedback of like, well, like for childcare, it's a little bit easier. And sure. you know, so sure. some of the benefits of being in front of these screens in the virtual world that what we're living in. But today, Nikki and I, let's discuss the impact of screen fatigue on us today in 2021. Yeah, well, I mean, I think, of course, um, what you're saying is important there, Pete, because you're highlighting a dialectic, (laughs) right, which is nothing, you know, nothing is all good or all bad. And, And so I don't think that what you're saying is you imposing your fatigue on other people. I think what you're saying is that, you know, there are also benefits to the virtual world, right? Like that, like some people are saying it's maybe easier with, with childcare. I'm thinking of, this is, you know, very, uh, psychologist specific thing, but like there was like a, a conference over the summer I attended that was virtual that usually is international that I would never normally go to because it's just not, not something I want to spend my money (laughs) on. I don't want to spend thousands, thousands of dollars to go to, um, you know, to a psychology conference though. I've always been bummed. I couldn't go and like, you know, now I could go because it's virtual. There's benefits in that way. And even though there are benefits, our brains are still being impacted by literally looking at a screen. Yeah, because I don't even want to go to those conferences. Like I know it's, I know it is nice that we could maybe save some money, but like, I don't know. Again, I might just be stuck in the old time, but I just, it's just not the same. And I just don't want to do it. I don't know. That's, that's well, just me. Well, no, I hear that. Well, I think so. So it's like using that example. It's like, for me, it's, I'm the opposite. I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to go in person usually. So I like the access of being able to hear speakers. Like, right. you know, I, I literally, I mean, this is such an LA thing over the summer. I literally attended the conference from my, from my phone at the beach. I was like, I'm at the beach and I was actually, yeah. You and I literally. have had several conversations like that. Actually. Yeah. So we, we have. <laughs> and yeah. I've enjoyed every moment of them. Yeah. So we have. Yeah. So, so that part's a benefit though. I think maybe what you're saying is like, I don't want to do it. It's like, because we're, we're missing. I mean, again, I don't, I don't miss the conference part of this, but just in general, we're missing being in the room with other human beings. And I think that's something uh, a lot of people kind of, I mean, not, not leave out completely in the pandemic. We're recognizing we're missing being around other humans, but they're forgetting that that's part of screen fatigue, that we derive energy from being in the presence of other humans. And while it's great to be able to, like right now, Pete and I are looking at each other, that's wonderful. It's not the same as getting to be in the same airspace as you, right? Like it's a two-dimensional version of you. Like my brain did not evolve to feel connection through a flat screen. 
So a definition from Psychiatric Times, uh, and they call it Zoom fatigue. I mean, I wanted to generalize it and call it screen fatigue. Mm-hmm. That's yes. what I did for my piece on on Fox 5 New York. Because I just, it's not just Zoom. I feel like we're, as we're yeah, all turning out, yeah, it's we're like, all improving yeah. Zoom stock, which I'm okay yeah. with because I own a little bit of it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so Zoom fatigue describes the tiredness, worry, or burnout associated with overusing virtual platforms of communication. Like other experiences associated with the uh, coronavirus pandemic, Zoom fatigue is widely prevalent, mm-hmm. intense, mm-hmm. and completely new. <laughs> and well, that part, I'm going to say, I disagree with that last part a little. I think it, we have no, been experienced. Yes, I, I'm going to disagree a little only in that um, because we've been moving towards this in the digital era, right? right? Like, I think that now, obviously, just like this is like the only way pretty yeah. much that we're communicating with other humans. Of course, the um, the pervasiveness of it is is just like there's no way to ignore it. Though we've been we've been experiencing this like ever since like you know the invention of the smartphone you know or just yeah. any kind of computer like we've been moving but not to this, this level that's no the intense, not the, that's why intensity is there yes in fact right. the reporter for our segment focused on scheduling mm. and how challenging scheduling gets and I'm wondering if you feel that or have clients that do I know I certainly feel it where you're squeezing things in because you can because you're virtual yeah right because you just click on the next meeting yeah because you click on the next meeting and then you're ending up having to go for like jumping from one screen to the next uh many of us you know if we're privileged enough we have several devices and so we're going from one device and one platform to the next and mm-hmm. uh, even as we started today's recording we're trying to get some new technology up and running i mean yes. these are all barriers of it's like using a new part of your brain yeah it, yeah it is and and a and a part of our brains again i'm going to bring it back to the um the the evolutionary component here, right, is that you know evolution uh, did not um, you know create human brains that were meant to be interacting with technology in this way. Like this is a very new contextual experience that our you know we don't have um, we don't have like historical ancient precedent. You know, we, we talk a lot on this podcast about like 40,000 years ago, like what was happening? Like there's no like 40,000 years ago when our brains were, you know, in two dimensional communication with other humans, like that didn't exist. Like this this is, and that's, what's so exhausting to our brains, right? Like we knew, okay. That part, yes, (laughs) yes. I I was saying only, I was saying the pervasiveness is new, but but, but, yes, yes, new. Yes. Yes. Do I hear you retracting your defense of that definition (laughs) from psychiatric Just, just, just amending, just flexibly amending, amending, just flexibly amending. Right. But, but you know what I mean? Like that there's, Beautiful modeling. Thank you. <laughs> well, people, and we're on our phones a lot. And so I think it'll be interesting to see the research come out post pandemic mm-hmm. in terms of maybe increase of usage, because before the pandemic, the data indicated that people use their phones on average around three hours and 15 minutes a day with millennials about 5.7 hours a day. Mm-hmm. There is no doubt that that has increased. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I can tell you from my own personal when it's like, show me how many hours I'm like, that screen is horrifying. Yeah, that is horrifying. I'm like, yeah. I, and I yeah. really encourage people and listeners use screen time. It's many of us are vulnerable or we're afraid to do so. Uh, mm-hmm. And when you do, you realize how you could likely intervene in your own life very mm-hmm. easily. You know, I, mm-hmm. I joke and say to to some folks that I work with that I got a PhD just to help people not use their phones. 
<laughs> right. Which, 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 when you started your PhD, that wasn't something that you would have. That wasn't a thing. That, that wasn't a thing, right? That wasn't a thing. We so old. <laughs> I know. I'm like, yeah. Elder millennials, as I believe they, they refer we, to us. We, so yes, I, we are. Yes, one, yes, yes. Yeah. I, though, as I said before, I still prefer Gen, Gen Y, but, but anyway, okay. So back, back to, back to screen fatigue back here. Screen so, fatigue. so look, you know, I think that um, another piece of this that's really important um, to bring in here is also how screen fatigue is impacting um, concentration, our ability to concentrate. Because I know something I've personally experienced and I've definitely talked about with patients and and friends is like, I've been having, I I love to read and I have grad degrees in literature. I love, I love books and I've been finding, and I and I'll say, and I don't have I don't have ADHD. I treat a lot of ADHD. I don't, I don't personally have it, right. and I have the experience um, of like high distractibility when I'm trying to read now in a way yeah. that like my ADHD patients will report, and it's just, you know, I think being on screen, it's like it's changing how my brain is. Yeah able to focus. Like I'm not like, do you know what I'm saying? Do you have, well, I noticed that quite physically where if I'm on my phone and I look up to like watch a basketball game that's on or a soccer match Mm -hmm. or something. And I, Mm -hmm. it takes my, it takes me about 30 seconds for my eyes to readjust to the TV. Mm. And those are some symptoms of screen fatigue. So like eye strain, blurred vision, headaches, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. neck and back pain. And of course, Mm -hmm. issues with concentration and tension that we see a lot, especially from the neuropsychological literature. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, who's not feeling that these days? Right. And, and I think, you know, it is of, of course important to, to weave in here, like a degree of acceptance around the context yeah. that we're in, you Correct. know, that this, this is not, um, this is not forever. There right. is there, you know, to bring in the, you know, the, the Buddhist concept of impermanence, right? Mm-hmm. Like that this is not, this is, this is temporary. Uh, and <laughs> to go hmm. back to my argument from before, um, it's also not totally going away that we've been moving towards this, that as, uh, you know, our, the, the digital world, um, just is, is a part of our human experience. Right. It is important for us to understand you know, the impact that it's going to have on our functioning and how, you know, how are we going to both accept that that's going to impact us in ways that aren't helpful and also try to mitigate it. Well, even like, you know, just telemedicine. I mean, watching my, my, my mom's husband be able to go to the VA virtually, you know, we had to set up a a computer for him to do that. And, and, and that's wonderful. I mean, so I think that there are certainly going to be benefits coming from this, uh, one of the things that you and I talked about, you know, pre-recording was like the sleep issues that this is yes. creating. So what are you seeing in in your clinical practice around the impact of screen fatigue on sleep? Well, I, I definitely would say it's, you know, we talk a lot about sleep hygiene on this podcast, um, just the negative impact on sleep hygiene, because uh, there's less to do, right? So there's, you know, and phones and computers and obviously just being on screens most of the day. Yeah. Um, people are spending more time interacting with the blue light. And so for those listeners that aren't familiar with that, blue light is what is emitted from our devices. And there's research that shows that it basically like, correct me if if I'm wrong here, Pete, it like basically hits a certain part of the eye that then sends a signal to the brain to release a wakefulness chemical. Uh, And so that is why, you know, if you ever read sort of like basic sleep hygiene uh, recommendations, they tell you to turn off your devices at least an hour before bed. Mm -hmm. Uh, So your, your brain is not um, telling you to wake up (laughs) when you're, when you're trying to wind down. So, pre-pandemic, you know, pre-living on Zoom, we were already experiencing um, more time on 
with, with blue light than we were before, but now it's like way turned up. So I'm, I'm seeing that as a huge impact. Are are you? Yeah. Well, the blue, the blue light, the blue wavelengths. um, And what it does is uh, neurologically, it boosts attention, reaction times and mood. Mm -hmm. So if, and and I'm going to say, I'm going to put this out there that maybe like 90% of people, one of the last things they look at before they go to bed is a phone or a device. Well, absolutely. And that's probably higher. It's probably higher. I mean, and that's where you and I really work with patients to say like, I tell people like, look, if an hour is too much, like try to turn off a half hour before, right? right. Anything to decrease the time that you're, um, you know, looking at screens before going to bed, just in the service of orienting your brain back to the way it was designed. We were not designed to interact with these devices. And again, that doesn't mean that we can't learn to interact with them effectively, though we do just want to understand you know, the, um, I'm going to keep saying like that, the evolutionary history or the biological function of how the Well, so biologically, which is really interesting about blue light, because again, 40,000 years ago, there were not this level of blue light. It actually, um, the blue light suppresses melatonin for about twice as long as the green light. So it really, um, it it affects the circadian rhythm double. So three hours versus one and a half hours is the impact that that has on our circadian rhythm, which is our sleep-wake cycle. And that's the cycle that's been totally hijacked Yes, in life, you know, and certainly during a pandemic. Yeah. Like way turned up, right. That's what you're saying. Way turned up. Well, and, and this kind of, you know, makes me think about like something we, we say a lot as well, which is like, this is why it's so helpful to understand how our brains work. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause if we don't, if we're not aware of, of how our brains work, we're not as equipped to interact with them more effectively. So again, we're not, you know, Pete and I aren't saying on this podcast, like, don't use, don't be on the computer ever, or don't use your phones. Like, no, we, we radically accept that's a part of, 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 of experience of but life. Don't now. do it before you go to bed. Right. I mean, well, I, I do say right. don't be on your phone at least an hour before your bedtime. Yeah, no, and same. And that's where if somebody's really, <laughs> someone's really pushing me on that, I'll say like, fine, let's split the difference and make it a half 30. hour. Right. Exactly. Sure. That's better sure. Than nothing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, You're so such how, a good bargainer. I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I was like middle path here. So what else are you uh, doing clinically with people, uh, Pete, to help reduce screen fatigue? Well, the self-care is critical. The sleep hygiene, I don't care how many times we say it on here, we'll keep saying mm-hmm. it. Uh, boundaries around the phone. So definitely no matter if you have an Android or an Apple using some sort of screen time app or measurement so that you can really Mm -hmm. boundary how much time it's scary when you look and see, you know, and then just, even if you can like pick your top two or three apps that you're spending the most time on and just reduce an hour, you know, reduce 30 minutes, like take small steps. um, Remembering to celebrate the small victories, a big, Mm -hmm. you know, piece of, of the mindfulness practice. Um, and then just find what, you know, one of the things I keep hearing myself say recently, and, and we say that a lot here, and this is perhaps that the Eastern spin yes. that I bring is just really connecting with your spirit yeah. because what is this all about and why are we doing what we're doing? And I think that that piece, that spiritual piece, whatever it is. So for listeners, what is that spiritual piece that allows you to really create meaning in your mm-hmm. suffering? We all suffer. Mm-hmm. Suffering's natural. Uh, and you know, that we want to just try and find a way, you know, to suffer in a way that it makes sense to us. Well, I think that's very lovely. And what was coming to my mind as you were saying that was, was, was two things. I was thinking both, how might I connect with, you know, with, with spirit, with my spirit, which of course I also hear in that, like my values, both when I'm needing to engage on a screen and then also when I want to step away from it. And I was Mm -hmm. thinking that, 
for me personally, and, and, you know, hopefully this resonates with, with those listening, even when I'm having moments of like feeling the physiological, um, impact of being on a screen all day Mm -hmm. and feeling tired, my eyes are hurting and, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm feeling less energized when I'm working with patients or like, even again, right now, I'm going to keep coming back to this example with, with Pete, it's like, I'm connecting with gratitude that I'm able to have this connection. Like I keep thinking, you know, like in the, you know, in 1918 in the influenza pandemic, like I go, gosh, wow. Like, you know, no one had that kind of option. I tell that story all the time because it's helpful for, especially certain age groups to think about that. And I I think I've shared that here that my grandma was born in 1918. I don't think you have. I don't, I don't know. Oh, well, she's like part of my passcode. So now you'll know. (laughs) (laughs) Just part. So you don't know all. I was going to say, you better change that now. Yeah. Yeah. You better be careful. Um, (laughs) My mom and dad listening, they won't be able to. Um, So like thinking, yeah, what did they do? And I think that's what I'm, I'm at least helping for some perspective taking with people today when they're like, this is so terrible. I'm locked up. Like you're taking my rights away. And it's like, and yet we're still meeting right now over video. Yes, yes. So a hundred years ago, we wouldn't have been able to we, do that. Right. So it's it's that dialectic, right? Of like, yes, yeah. it's hard. And like, this is where we can connect. And then I would say that on the other side, though, is like, we also do need to get away from the screens. I mean, I tell people yeah. even like, go outside for five minutes, even just go to the window. Like in my in my yes. office, I have a like a very sunny office, like a uh, with a lovely view and, and the it's in a building where the windows don't open, but it's like sometimes in between uh, patients, I'll just like stand at the window and just like enjoy the sunshine. I mean, it's like, that's beautiful. You know, and that's all that it would, it's just, it's a, I mean, that's so much, that's so much that's mind, that's Mm -hmm. body and that's spirit right there, because you're able to really just let go of whatever maybe you were holding from that last session. You're able to really say like, there's this whole thing going on outside my office right now, which is so beautiful. Right. And stunning. You know, in Buddhism, as we've talked about the Eightfold Path a lot, I'm going to take a moment to talk about right effort, which is one that I haven't talked about, because I think that that's what this takes right now. Yeah. Right. It's like, what's my commitment? What is my effort right now to say, I'm going to let FOMO, fear of missing out, or something else go and just really say, I need this for me right now. So mm-hmm. bef- before all the screen time was increasing, we knew social media and screens were increasing depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. There's a clear connection. Yep. And yet we continue to increase our usage. Yeah. Because it's, because it's easier, right? This goes back yeah. to, Australia, right. It's just, it's so available. I mean, we've obviously, you know, our social media episode, we talk about this, like yeah. these are how these things are designed, right? right. I guess this, you know, it's like a dopamine shot to the brain, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we do it because it's easier, it's available and our brains like convenience. It's you know? so quick too. It's so immediate. Mm-hmm. And that's what the brain really, that's the pleasure that the brain seeks. So mm-hmm. the right effort is um, trying to like prevent unwholesome states. And all of us that have been in front of that screen have felt unwholesome in a moment because we're not doing something like genuine. He has to say, say more about that. Word. I like that phrasing unwholesome. It's, inter- unwholesome. it's interesting. It's an interesting phrase. Or yeah. Word. The Buddhists have a way with words. Yeah. I do. Well, you know, <laughs> I love me some words. You love so, you yeah, some I, words. I do. My yeah. little wordsmith yeah, over there. I know. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's uh, when you've gone down a social media or a news rabbit hole, you mm-hmm. feel dirty. I mean, I, I'm being a little provocative in that. <laughs> right. You are. Yes. Yeah. I'll own or, it. Was it. Or I would say maybe the word I would use is icky. Icky. Or right. just, as soon as I say those patients, I'll go like, it's not a very clinical world. I'm like, it's icky. icky. It's icky. <laughs> yeah. So that is not unwholesome. And so just, mm. be, you know, reset to the next moment. And so yeah. that's what I, I, I often will share that with clients where I'll say like, 
I'm not judging myself when I'm going down the rabbit hole. I'm noticing right. it and then I'm committing to the next moment and I get out of it. So yes. my screen time is low because I'm able to notice when I'm getting pulled in. Yeah. Take a step back out, out and find something that's wholesome. Like values might... connected. Exactly. Yeah. 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 You, you know, Peter, I, um, cause I know we're, uh, we're coming up. up on time, uh, yeah. here though. I do really want to hear, um, your perspective on this, something I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, which is again, this concept of, um, you know, being on screens all the time is taking away this very literal experience of being around other humans. And mm -hmm. something I talk about with patients quite a bit that, you know, this is, I always say like, look, we don't, uh, we don't have the, the Western scientific tools to measure this yet, though I suspect we will be able to at some point, which is like the vibes we get from other people, the that's energy right. we feel, yeah. which ask any human, and we know that that's a real thing. Mm -hmm. And not having that, it decreases our energy. I certainly feel it at work, not yes. seeing patients live. I miss, I miss seeing my, my people in my office. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just so curious if Buddhism has anything to say about that, about this, about that you know, it's this both tangible and untangible experience of, of energy, of human connection. Is there anything you're aware of that speaks to that? So, so uh, our reporters and our engineers gave us some good uh, literature on that to report. <laughs> so, so no, um, I mean, I think what, what we would say in, in the Eastern tradition is that like everything is energy and everything's connected. Mm -hmm. And it really depends on the lineage that you're studying. So like mm -hmm. my white plums and lineage is really about, more untangling silence, whereas some of the Tibetan literature is about connection. So okay. that when I'm walking in the park, I am the tree. I okay. am the ants that I'm walking on, mm. you know, and I think that that energy is what we're taught, what we're, you know, yeah. what we're calling out to, what we're just asking listeners to really consider, you know, so I think as, as we, we screen fatigue is real. Uh, it is intense contrary to what Dr. Nikki said, it is new in a, in a, in a very proverbial <laughs> way. Uh, but to think about your dukkha, and that's the word of suffering, uh, you know, in Sanskrit, and that there's meaning in all of our suffering, and that just create some right effort as you're trying to step away and notice what it is about your dukkha and why you're here. This has been When East Meets West. I'm Dr. Pete Economo. And I'm Dr. Nikki Rubin. Be present, be brave. This has been When East Meets West. All material is based on opinion and educational training of Drs. Pete Economo and Nikki Rubin. Content is for informational and educational purposes only.